What these young bloods have to understand that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. This is your Monday Best Bets episode and weekend recap and futures look with my futures guys, the Jays. I got Joe Delera and Jim Turvey with me as they will be with me every Monday. We will not only give you best bets for the Monday slate. We will not only let me go off a little bit about the absolute, just embarrassing display by NBA training staffs this week, resting players four days into the fucking season. But we will also give you futures plays. We have some juicy stuff already. Look, these markets can be in flux. We've got early signals. There's value to be found. There's gold in them. There are hills. And Joe Dallara and Jim Turvey are excellent at finding it. We'll break all that down on today's show. Everything we talk about in today's show can be found in the award-winning Action Network app. You can track your picks. You can tail Jim and Joe's bets. You can track how the lines are moving and where the money is coming in. You can catch our live shows, which are throughout the week. We've got Green Dot Daily, the Power Hour, all these types of things. All of our podcasts, all of our content, it's all in one great app. Download the Action Network app today. Make sure to check out youtube.com slash the Action Network. You're going to find all sorts of great stuff in on there. All of our live shows streaming, turn on notifications, and you can catch all that stuff because we are always reacting in these windows to new information and all sorts of stuff. You've got the Sunday shows for football, the Saturday Big Bets on Campus show, all sorts of great stuff. And later on the season, we'll be adding NBA shows as well. You're going to want to check that out. We're working on a really great concept for a show. I'm really excited about it. We'll have more details on that later. Let's get started. We're going to do best bets at the front. So the idea for this show, last year we did like, oh, we'll just do like a weekend recap on Monday. And we're going to do that. We're going to talk about whatever like the most meaningful games from the weekend were. But we're going to do that through a futures lens. We'll do that at the end of the show. We are adding Monday best bets so that we've, you've got a full slate for you to bet on Monday. And we will do that at the front, as we always do, in quick hit manner. So, boys, I just need your best bets. And then we'll go back and we'll do the cap. Joe Delera, what's your best bet for Monday? I'm taking LaMelo Ball over three and a half threes at plus 125. Okay. Big prop on LaMelo, who somebody ranked the 87th best player in the NBA this season <laughs> in the offseason. Yeah, but in the uh, postseason, at least he's what 176. <laughs> Look, they're all 176. If you haven't been there, I rank them all equal. Uh, Jim Turvey, what's your best bet for Monday? Uh, I've got LeBron James under seven and a half rebounds, and I have Tyler Hero over 27 and a half points plus rebounds plus assists. Tyler Hero, notably uh, the most underrated player in the NBA because he was not included in a Damian Lillard deal, according to our Heat aficionados <laughs> over at Action Network. I have one play over 226 in Bulls Pacers. That number is ridiculous. So that's one. I got three others that we'll talk about at the end of the show, but let's do the cap on the ones that we've got right now. Uh, I'll start really quickly. The Bulls defense is garbage. Uh, I don't know if that's going to hold or not, but all of the stuff that Billy Donovan did last year to get that defense to be pretty decent, it's all gone to shit, and they can't stop anything, which is why the Pistons 
absolutely took it to them in the game the other night on that back-to-back after they got that really fun and absolutely drunk win over the Raptors, the Bulls did. They still let the Raptors put up a big number. That's concerning. They have one of the worst defenses in the league. The Pacers right now are in a spot where the market is still too anchored to its preseason expectations, which is like, oh, the Pacers will be better as opposed to like what we thought, which was uh, the Pacers are going to be legitimately an elite offense this season. And that's really honestly what we've seen. The Indiana Pacers through two games, a 128 offensive rating. Oh, yeah. And they also have the fifth highest pace in the NBA. That's a pretty good, good kind of combo here. This number is sub 230. Joe. Why is this number sub 230? Why would they be like, hey, here's a Pacers game versus a bad defense under 230? I'm excited to find out how I missed this. How do you think I'm going to lose this bet? I think, honestly, it's just the way the market is kind of like adjusted to the Bulls. And they're just saying like, well, like Alex Caruso, awesome wing defender. He's going to stop Halliburton. It's like nobody's stopping Halliburton. <laughs> like his double double, right. I think is only like minus 135 or so. Like, I, I don't know. Like that was something that I was looking at too. Um, I think that you're spot on with this. Like this number just seems a little bit low. I know Chicago plays slow, but Indiana does have a penchant to like speed up other teams because they really want to get out and after it. You can make the argument that Chicago's going to be the one to drag this number because Chicago's bottom five in offense as well going right now in the season. And, like, look, I think that they're going to be pretty pedestrian because they don't take enough threes because they desperately need to break up DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine and do that James Harden deal immediately uh, that has been rumored for the last couple of days. But in general, uh, Jim, I just still kind of think, like, look, uh, I think we get here on a Pacers number. I think that the Bulls will probably find ways to score in the inside versus the Pacers, who aren't a great defense. Uh, this one absolutely screamed to me as soon as I looked at it. Yeah, I think I think the the over is the play here. Uh, it'd be a lean for me just because I haven't dug in as deep for it, so I, have, I haven't taken a look at it yet. But I will say, uh, I think in order to make sure that it's a guaranteed lock on the over, you need to get that guy who was courtside um, – uh, over the weekend, giving Halliburton a, a hard time and Halliburton nice. tell him, this was you, this is on you. That, if, if he's there, then you definitely get the over. That's awesome. Michael Malone and that guy, both getting their teams in, in positions they don't <laughs> expect. Uh, let's go to Jim. What's about LeBron under seven and a half rebounds first? Why do you like this play? It's an angle that I'm looking at for the season as a whole. Part of it, you know, we saw that alien photo of him jumping the other day from ben, that Ben Golliver caught courtside, but... This is a, you know, he is in season 21. He is a 39 year old. At some point, it's, you know, we're going to see some slowing down, and rebounds are an area that I'm looking to target with that. Um, He, his minutes, that was the big story after game one. He was at 29 minutes. In game two, he was right up to 35. So, you know, there's reason to be like, well, maybe that he isn't going to be on that minutes load. This is going to be second night of a back to back, though. I think if you are looking to rest LeBron a little bit, this is the perfect time to do that. Um, he's going against a Magic team that is actually secretly a really good rebounding team. They're fourth in defensive rebounding rate last year, fifth in offensive rebounding rate this year, the top half of, of the opposites as well. So they're about a top 10, maybe even top eight rebounding team overall. They also are the slowest paced team this season. Um, last season, they were bottom five as well. It's just not many possessions. Um, I think the number's a little high. You can get plus money on it right now as well. So yeah, I really like this LeBron number at under seven and a half rebounds. Uh, potentially, uh, let me let me clarify that and say that this line isn't out yet because it's from Monday's game. If they repeat this number for for Monday's game, which I would guess it will be in the ballpark, um, I'm going to really like that number. All right, well let's break that down. If it drops a six and a half, juiced under, do you still like it? 
juiced under six and a half is like right around probably what I would make it. So I probably wouldn't have a ton of value there. Okay. So it's got to be either six and a half, no juice or positive juice, or it's got to be seven or more. That sound right? If it's like minus 110, minus 115, I think there's a little bit of like, that's right around the the break point for me um, for this prop. Okay. Uh, and then Tyler Hero over 27 and a half PRA, the Heat taking on the Milwaukee Bucks will be on back to back. Yeah. So Hero's one of these guys who has seen a massive jump in his, his field goal attempts and usage early in the season. Part of that is we've had one game of no Jimmy, but even in the two other games, he got up an average of 22 field goal attempts a game, almost 10 of them per game coming from three as well. Um, He's averaging 38 minutes a game right now. Um, His usage rate is right around where Zach Levine's was last year to kind of give you a feel for how the Heat are using him right now. Um, He's he's averaging right around 30 and a half PRA right now. Um, and that's with a field goal percentage on twos that's actually much lower than in season pass and a free throw rate that's lower and then season pass as well. So there's a lot of room for him to get up into like the 32 and a half, 33 and a half range for this PRA number. And the market just hasn't caught up to it yet. So against a Milwaukee team that, you know, is not the defense we've seen in, in seasons past, especially in that backcourt. Um, and they also played at a faster pace. So I think it's a, a solid matchup for him. And in a in a market that hasn't quite caught up to his his usage and uh, overall you know production in this in this heat lineup so far. As we're wrapping this up, the Milwaukee Bucks are getting waxed by the Atlanta Hawks by uh, let's see that would be nineteen seventeen points currently, uh, and it's been up it's been over twenty for much of the the second half. So. I don't know if the Bucks are going to play starters here, which makes this probably an even better thing. They may wind up resting guys, whether it's Giannis or Brooke or, or some combination. Chris Middleton didn't play in this one, so you would expect him to play on the second night of the back-to-back. But sometimes without that last season, and Chris just sat both of them. So uh, we'll get to all that nonsense here in a little bit. But that probably puts a little bit more value on Tyler Hero, given that if Brooke is out or Giannis is out, there's going to be a lot more ways for one Hero to pick up rebounds. But two, it's also going to be easier to attack the interior. So I like that play quite a bit, Joe, on the Tyler Hero over 27 and a half. Yeah, I do too. I think it's a cool way to back uh, Miami, and it's a little bit nuanced too because Tyler's always going to get run. Like it doesn't matter whether Jimmy's playing or not, or or Bam or anybody. So he's always getting run. Uh, let's go to yours, Lamelo Ball over three and a half threes plus one twenty five in the market. That's attractive. Uh, what gives you the confidence in Lamelo to hit uh, a very juicy three four plus threes uh, tomorrow night when they take on Brooklyn tomorrow night? What's your uh, cap on Lamelo Ball? So part of why I like this is actually uh, LaMelo's seen like a pretty significant uptick in his three-point volume. And that was something that he did last year. And I was curious to see whether or not it was going to kind of translate this year. Um, This year, he's averaging nine three-pointers per game. Last year, he was averaging over 10. um, But the year previous, he was around like seven. So it seems like the three-point shot is definitely something that he's kind of added to his arsenal. He's going to be using readily. And we all know that like LaMelo's volume is significant. So the thing that I was concerned about at first was that Steve Clifford was talking about how LaMelo was probably going to be limited to like 30 minutes and it honestly just doesn't matter because LaMelo is like number he's 1A on that team when he wants to get a shot up he gets a shot up so it's like if he's not playing 36 minutes it's okay he's basically still seeing the same volume that he normally would um, LaMelo is a great three-point shooter and then even against Brooklyn what I was looking at is obviously it's small sample size but they're allowing opponents to take over 40% of their shots from three-point range and they're allowing 
over 40% on the makes. So what was interesting about that is that last year, they did a great job of driving opponents off of the three-point line. However, they still surrendered about like about 38, 37, 38% from three, which was bottom half of the league. So LaMelo, elite shooter, I think they might try to like push him a little bit, but I think that it's a little bit harder just because he's so shifty. He gets the shots up that he wants. He gets to his spot pretty easily. And I think that, you know, a lot of times the point of attack defense, it's a little bit overrated sometimes, uh, like on the perimeter, um, just in terms of what Brooklyn's going to be able to do. So I think LaMelo will still be able to get his shots up. And at three and a half and plus 125, it's definitely a number I like just based on the fact that, you know, he's getting up basically 10 shots a game. And last year he averaged four makes per game. This one's interesting because it's like the Nets are allowing these numbers early, but like the, the highest allowed three point percentage in the league right now is Boston because Miami once again yeah. was just like, hey, what if we shot forty five percent from three versus you <laughs> yes. again? Um, so like I don't know, it, it that's so far away from I think what we kind of expected from Brooklyn, where they have so many plus defenders, especially on the yeah. perimeter with Mikhail Bridges and those type of things. Like it makes me a little bit nervous, especially. But I mean. You kind of have have covered that with the fact that this is this is a long term kind of value play where it's like, look, this is a plus one twenty five on not an outlier performance, but it's above you know kind of a market expectation on him uh, with the plus one twenty five juice. So I get it. Uh, I can't get there just because I'm like, it, there's something fundamentally in me that's like, well, no, like Brooklyn's Brooklyn's good defensively, like they should be good, but they're not good right now. Yeah. So I'm going to definitely monitor this one and keep an eye on it to see whether or not you're able to hit this one or not. Yeah, and I mean, if you think about who Brooklyn has played, like they played the Cavs and they played the Mavs, both teams are like Dallas kind of retooled to be able to shoot a little bit better from three, right? But, you know, Cleveland's yeah. not exactly known for their three-point shooting either. So I do think they're going to be able to get their, like Lamel's going to be able to get the shots up that he wants. So Jim, as we kind of transition here to more of a big picture look, um, you've wanted to talk a little bit about kind of early season trends and things to watch for and how to play stuff early. Um, I want to kind of get into some of those with you. What are your kind of thoughts as far as some of the things that you think that we should be on the lookout for early in the season? Yeah, I think it's really fun early in the season to kind of see what trends we think make sense and are, you know, kind of logical and what are, you know, small sample and we're kind of like, yeah, I don't know if I buy that entirely. So I think there's really a science to that um, where the more depth of knowledge you have of the league, the more your your radar is going to go off in, in the correct direction for those. So you know, just looking at stuff like um, pace, like teams that are changing their pace. So the Wizards have the top pace uh, in the league right now. That makes sense. You know, they've got new players in, like Jordan Poole is going to be looked to run and gun. They're not going to be playing a lot of defense. That, to me, makes perfect sense. Um, one that I think is really interesting, and I would love to get your take on, is the Mavs are up from 28th in pace last season to 4th in pace this season. Again, this is the tiniest of samples, right? It likely will not settle at 4th for the season. But I'm very curious, even if it moves into the top 12 or so, uh, that could have a pretty big impact on Luka's counting stats. He always had these amazing counting stats while mm -hmm. doing it for arguably the slowest team in the league. I think that's really interesting to think about from an MVP perspective in particular, or like to lead the league in points, a couple of those categories where he's going to be knocking on the door. If they're even top 12 in pace, that's going to be a huge um, impact on those numbers. And I, I wonder if it's maybe the lively effect. I wonder if it's, you know, full season Kyrie. I'm, I, I, that one is one that I'm not a hundred percent sure which direction I, if I, I think it's BS or not BS or what. So I wanted to get your guys thoughts on that one. So I, one of the things that Dunks and Threes has, which I love, is that they have offensive possession length and defensive possession length. 
Dallas is number three in defensive possession length. So they're on the short, they're third shortest for defensive possession length. So I think they're actually getting like sped up um, because of the defense, because I don't think the defense is like particularly good. Um, and like it's <laughs> evidence that, you know, like they're 23rd in adjusted defense so far. Obviously, it's early in the season, but I think that because the defense hasn't been good, they're getting sped up. And uh, like opponents are kind of getting what they want. And obviously like Luca Kyrie, like neither is like a particularly great defender. You have a rookie center um, in lively. I, I think that maybe that's a little bit why, but I think you're hundred percent right. If it improves Luca's counting stats, which were already absurd. Uh, it's tough to look away from him for MVP and that ankle sure looks good. Yeah. It's interesting right from the, the idea of, um, is it that the Mavs are playing faster or they're getting sped up because teams are still scoring at them incredibly easily like that 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 combo is is i think interesting here's the other thing i would i would kind of say if we look at this from a per per player perspective uh luca's pace is 103.8 Kyrie's is 103.6 in the same kind of range there but when you get into the bench dante exams at a 109 Derek jones jr is at a 110 grants at a 107 playing in the stagger minutes like that's the answer is like that bench is playing really fast. It's honestly probably how it should be. Right. Depending on who's on the court and they're not necessarily staggering, but they are playing like Kyrie and Luca, like a lot together. Um, they're just yeah. they're pairing those guys up. So I'll be kind of curious to see if they change that. Does that impact? Because I think if you put Luca with the net, with the second unit, you, you're, you're, you're going to go back to the dribble, 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 shoot. And that's just kind of like, who he is now i will say like look derek derek lively has been awesome like he's just been an absolute revelation so far awesome. and it shows you i have a Mavs fan in my life who's just like this this is why it's been so frustrating that they've given luka Doncic, dwight powell maxi kleba and chris and <laughs> christian wood last year in only limited doses for a small amount of time i do think it's really funny that jason kidd's like christian wood no patience whatsoever rookie center <laughs> Have all the time you want, kid. It's very odd. Um, we'll see if that holds, too, by the way, where I think Lively's been really good. But once teams start to figure out his tendencies, yeah. once stuff gets on the scouting report, I'm going to be interested to see if that Mavs defense gets worse or not. So the inverse of that is kind of the magic. So like I pointed out, they're last in pace right now. Um, their defense is also second best in the league right now. Um, again, two game samples, right? But if we think back to this team started five and 20 last season, after that stretch, they had the sixth best defense in the league. So if you have a team that has a potentially top five defense, and it's a, a team that kind of makes sense to have a really good defensive unit, and they're playing at the a bottom five pace, that's a team I'm going to be looking at for unders until the market fully adjusts to that. Um, and then on, on a player level, some of the stuff I think that that's really useful to look at is, you know, Field goal attempts, not necessarily points per game, but field goal attempts, three-point attempts. Who's making big leaps on this? There's someone later on we're going to talk about who I've noticed has had nice leaps in those categories, but it just isn't making a few of them, but I think is maybe being undervalued because of that. Um, but, you know, player usage, Jordan Poole and Cam Thomas kind of pop as guys who are legitimately getting used all the time. Uh, Bam Adebayo has a 31.1 usage rate right now. I don't. I think part of that is that Jimmy missed that one game. But I think it's something to watch. Um, Tyler Hero, we mentioned. Uh, and then Wemby is quietly at a 31.6% usage rate. Yeah. You know, his minutes were low in that first game, but they're really going to him. So I, that that gets intriguing for, you know, either rookie of the year or there's, there's chatter of him for lots, lots of things. So if he has that high of a usage rate, um, you know, maybe you're looking at points points props uh, in particular so you know look at look at some of the 
just below the surface numbers, I think maybe have more value than those those crazy surface ones, especially if they're inflated by you know a high field goal percentage. Um, also, and then just the final one I'll touch on is the, with two games that you can't really do it as much. But so we get like a week, maybe two out. Try to look at teams, um, like go to their actual schedule, see who their wins are over and who their losses against. Um, use that early strength of schedule to kind of suss out who maybe is off to an inflated start. Who yes. maybe has just had a really tough schedule. Um, you know, these these are things that they aren't going to break anyone's brain, but they're really useful tools that when you get caught up in the day to day, it's easy to forget those, but they're all very useful for betters. So that kind of takes me to a game I wanted to talk about, and we all kind of agree that we wanted to talk about it too, which is Orlando. I think is like a really good example of this. Yeah, where Orlando is like. SOA has got the over on them on the season total. Love what I've seen. Loving this so far. How about a 113.5 yeah. offensive rating, which is good for ninth best in the league, and a 95.8, which is good for third best in the league defensively. Like, Orlando has been great. It's been really fun. They, they're a good watch. They control the – you mentioned the pace. They control that pace. Like, they don't let you yeah. speed them up. And that's been really impressive. Um, and those are all like good signs for their long-term outlook. They also play Portland and Houston. So <laughs> the question here with the magic being plus five and a half versus the Lakers who are on a back-to-back tomorrow is like, okay, what I think this there, I might be kind of adjusting to, and I've got upgraded magic in my power rating. I think they've been good enough to warrant it because they didn't just win those games. They smashed like Orlando didn't like get yeah. like, you know, two and oh Orlando, woohoo. But 2-0 Orlando versus bad teams is like, okay. But 2-0 Orlando, when they smash them, is really promising. I start to try and, you mentioned kind of looking at strength of schedule. I want to look at what your win profile is. And, like, first eight games is when I will take, like, a serious kind of dive on it and be like, do they beat good teams? Do they beat bad teams? Do they cover versus good teams but lose? Do they cover versus bad teams? Um but still lose like those types of things are, are what I want to get a sense of is, are you able, are you a team that no, 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 like you will smash teams that are worse than you, but anybody who's as good as you or better, you're either going to lose or struggle with and fail to cover the number. And those are all things that we need more sample size on. But that to me is like something I'm very interested in with Orlando in this second game is like, Hey, they're plus five and a half versus the Lakers on a back to back. Like I have a little bit of value on this number, like in in my projections right now, based off a of power rating, I've got this minus, I've got this uh, Lakers minus three point four ish. So I've got about two points of value on it. Magic on the first. I have bad. I have on a bad news for you, Matt. <laughs> it's it is it's Lakers minus three point five. So you're right on with the market is the good news, but uh, there's no value potentially. Why did I get? I had that number at five and a half somewhere. Sorry, <laughs> you told me that before the show. I think it moved it moved from like four. I think it's sitting around four or something like that. Gotcha. So that's probably why your brain went there. But uh okay. so I mean, anyway, we're... I'm not gonna play it now. Thank you for that. Um <laughs> the magic plus three and a half even is kind of an indicator of like, look, if they are just a team that smashes versus the bad teams, the Lakers are not bad. Again, we'll get to why we you're gonna have to wait on this game. But I think it's it's an interesting question, Joe, of like how good are the magic? I mean, I think one of the things that's notable about Orlando, number one, they're all like very young. I mean, their oldest player is, I mean, they have Gary Harris, but they're all generally pretty young. And Joe Ingles, I'm sorry, what a a misstep there. But uh, (laughs) their their usage, I think, is interesting because there are so many like actual contributors on this team. So when you have a young team, I think one of the biggest things is like unpredictability in terms of 
the consistency of like how the players are going to perform. It's like, is this guy going to have a good day? Is he going to have a bad day? And like, we see that sometimes, especially with like younger guards or, you know, like even like, a, even like Wembenyama, like it's only been a couple games, but you just don't know like how he's going to be on a night to night basis with Orlando between having Wagner, Cole, Anthony, Paolo, Fultz, Carter, like even Suggs, like you have so many different players that can kind of step up and they have like relatively balanced usage. Obviously it's led by Franz, but I think, think that he's probably the most polished of those young guys right now and he's a capable leader maybe able to take some more steps this season in terms of his improvement um but i think that that's what makes orlando so good is that they're young they're balanced and you have a lot of different guys that can handle the ball pass the ball shoot the ball and play defense so they all can kind of contribute in a different way even if maybe the shot's not falling the defense might be there um and they can kind of spread the usage around because it doesn't really seem like anybody's that selfish on that team Jimmy, any thoughts there no i agree with with pretty much everything joe said i think i think the biggest thing for me in terms of you know balancing this you know two game sample right is what Joe said yeah. about this is a very young team that could have taken a jump during that off season. And, you know, maybe that is a very legitimate, like that, that to me seems more realistic than a team that like if the Chicago Bulls were quote unquote, making a leap in the first two games, <laughs> it's going to smell a little different than if the Orlando magic, a team full of young, talented, full of potential players is making that leap. So yeah, no, I, I, I liked the magic before the, the season. I like them, you know, Plus, you know, not a huge amount, but just I continue liking them into this to start they've had for the season. Another one that I want to talk about is the Memphis Grizzlies team total. So the total oh boy, do we on have to? them facing the... <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have to. Not the, the, the win total. That one, I think oh, we're okay. all in a lot of... We're, we're like, I'll go ahead and address this. I'll go ahead and address this. Look, we did the work on it, and then Steven Adams got hurt. And or was out for the season with yeah. surgery. I, there was never any indication to me. Like the Grizzlies people will tell you, like, no, he played in the preseason. We thought he was going to be fine, and he just wasn't. Yeah, yeah. He was just like, I just still don't feel comfortable. He got, you know, did another um, evaluation with the doctor, and the doctor was like, you're just going to need it in order if you're going to if you want this thing to be stable long term, you're going to have to get surgery. Um, they are signing Bismack Biombo after five games, which is when they can get another roster spot. Um, from the jaw suspension. So, and you're, if you're like Bismack Biombo, and I'm like, yes, I just want someone, some, just fucking someone over six four because body, they're currently they're they're playing Roddy at power forward, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. and I get it. Grizzlies fans are like, well, Santi Aldama's out, and I was like, I like Santi, I do, I I do. You should have someone on your roster so that David Roddy's not playing power forward at six four because yesterday Kyle Kuzma was just like, yeah. <laughs> like chuckling after he made a rebound put back it was infuriating uh the grizzlies have gone under their team total in all three games this season they've gone under their team total in every single game um this season now if you look at the dallas mavericks on the other hand um you don't wind up with necessarily a an empowering defensive force either because in their games this season they have allowed uh over, they've allowed their opponents to score 5.8 and 8 points more than the average expected margin. Um, that's what they've allowed. Now, they've outscored them. This is the other thing is the Mavericks have outscored their expected total. Delta points scored this is over at killersports.com. 8.2 and 7 points. They're plus 8.2 and, and plus 7 in their first two games. 
they've allowed plus 5.8 and plus 8. So the, the their opponents have also scored more. So what we have here is we have a completely stoppable force meeting an extremely <laughs> resistible object, whatever the, the correlation is there. Um, I kind of yeah. want to play Grizzlies team under just because the Nuggets were, I think, the first one to kind of get this out the bag, and then the Wizards did the same thing, which is, hey, if Desmond Bain can't beat you, they don't have anything else. It's just Desmond mm-hmm. Bain. They got nothing else. And so I kind of wonder Trust. if Grizzlies team total might be worth a play here, but the total still feels a little low to me in general. I think that you're spot on um, in terms of like what they can do because they don't really have another guy that's like really creating, um, you know, and kind of helping anybody else. And it's hard for Bain. Bain's a guy that like can kind of get his own shot, but like not really. Like he he definitely benefits from having somebody else, like even a secondary facilitator. Maybe we need to see like a little bit more Derek Rose minutes, which is like. I don't know if you really want to go there, but like he's, he's only averaging, he's got, you know, he's played the three games. He's averaging 18.8 minutes per game. I don't know how many minutes Derek Rose can like give you, but like, I think they got to do something to try to like, like inject a little bit of energy into this offense, or at least a little bit more playmaking um, to try to set up some of these other guys. So I know that Desmond Bain, his turnover potential or his turnover percentage is wild right now uh, for him. It's like 12.2% and his usage is sky high, but I don't, I think that you're right. And I think that we're kind of seeing, and it's, a little unfortunate because I know we like Desmond Bain for most improved or, you know, that was one of our preseason bets, but you can kind of see some of the difficulties he's having with like the, being the number one guy, like with the keys to the offense, I think in the spot, like there's just certain limitations on what he can and can't do in terms of setting up his, his teammates to kind of improve the offense overall. Yeah. And I think, so I think last game, Zaire Williams was second on the team in field goal attempts. That's not a good sign. Like you said, Joe, Um, I'm kind of with you on, getting Derrick Rose more minutes right now, even though that's not a place you want your offense to be. He is no. one of the few guys that can just create movement. It looks, it looks very dead out there at times. Um, and, you know, my, my only thought would be to double check. Luke Kennard, I believe, is going to be in concussion protocol a little while longer, but he is the type of guy who could open up that offense a little bit. So I think double, Bender should double check that. I don't know. Do you know, Matt, if he, is he officially ruled out? That would be my only hesitation with it. I do know that Desmond Bain's turnovers has been pretty good. It's the lines at two and a half for this game. Um, I definitely could see this being a spot where, you know, he's trying to force things, trying to make things happen. Obviously they're, they're down. Um, you know, they're, they're own three on the season. I think that there's going to be a lot of pressure to probably try to bring a win home in yeah. this spot. Luke Kennard is out for this game of concussion protocol. Um, Officially. That's already out in yeah. the report. And Santi Aldama also is out. So woohoo, more David Roddy back up four. He's going to get dunked on by Derek Lively and I, Grant Williams probably. So that's fun for him. Um, <laughs> if you're asking why I'm not taking Memphis, then it's basically just like, look, uh, I bet Memphis in what I felt was like, they got to get a win here versus the Wizards. Nope. Um, yeah, now they're no. at home. Yeah. Division game. It's just not the spot. If you were like squirt gun to your head, you got to bet one. I would absolutely yeah. lay the two with Mavericks. Yeah, that's that's what I would do because Memphis is just a hot mess right now. I don't know if they'll be a hot mess the entire season. We got a long way to go. Not been a promising start. Um, final one is OKC minus five, which is on a Sega Baba second game of a back to back. We've got a Sega Baba, and they got absolutely just annihilated by the Nuggets, Worked. who are the best team in basketball by yeah. margin. It is not close. It is not like, like I, it, it's fine. The playoffs don't start today. And maybe by April, the Celtics and Bucks will be as good as them or the Heat. 
I'll, I'll say that for our, our Heat friends at Action Network or whoever else, Lakers, anybody. Right now, you do not want to look on your schedule and see the Denver Nuggets. I looked this up today, and somebody was asking me, like, why does this matter? Um, out of 125 minutes played, um, and it's actually more than that now, it is 144 minutes. They have been tied or trailing. So not just trailing, just tied for nine minutes out of 144. And, like, if you're asking, like, what does that matter? It's not that they have won these games. A lot of games, teams will look good and impressed. But it's like, oh, they were up 10, and then the team came back, and they tied it, and then they were tied for a while, or they they were behind by four at half or whatever. No. Like, Denver's just like, they're up by, by seven. They're up by 15. They're up by 18. The game is over. And, like, they are just beating the shit out of teams. And that OKC team had looked awesome the first two games and they were completely overwhelmed by what denver brought them now this is about okc i do kind of think that okc is probably good value here on a back-to-back young guys should play more it's only five i think detroit's probably a little overvalued after getting i think they play great like i love how detroit's playing they're playing a lot better but detroit's playing better as in like hey they might win 30 games this season not they could be okc on the road so i'm leaning towards okc minus five but Jim, I can't trust the injury report, so I have to wait on this. <laughs> yeah, we'll set you up for that in a minute. But uh, I do lean with the Thunder here for for a couple of reasons. Um, you know, second day of a back to back, I agree with you, isn't going to hurt a young team as much. And uh, most of their key players, I don't think, played like the entire fourth. Uh, I was waiting on a, a Jalen Williams prop, and his it sat right at twenty one pra for the whole fourth quarter. So I think. Their guys are going to be pretty well rested. Home game, and I agree with you on the Pistons. I I've been super impressed with them, but this is not a team that is only like two two and a half points worse than the Thunder. Um, you know, maybe there is a little bit of of a back to back, so maybe you make that you around four. I still would have it uh, a lean to the Thunder though, um, especially at home and and uh, after after getting waxed by the Nuggets today. I'm dying to know what Jalen Duran's rebounding line is going to be at for this game <laughs> because like Jokic worked them. I think it's probably going to be a little bit closer of a game, but Duran has just been an absolute monster. And like, the, I think what we saw in the Denver game was that like check and score, but like he was not, not stopping. He's not stopping Jokic. And I mean, not at most, nobody's stopping Jokic, but I think the size was a little bit of an issue for him. So I'm wondering how that's going to play against a guy like Jalen Duran, who has been like a dominant rebounding force so far this season. So let's talk a little bit about um, the NBA. And <laughs> Saturday, I lost a bet in which I put money on the Cleveland Cavaliers, minus five. Not close that. The reason it did not close that is that I was like, well, Donovan Mitchell is going to play at least. But, you know, Darius Garland might play. Yeah, Darius Garland's still out. That's fine. Darius has got an injury. Donovan Mitchell rested. Jimmy Butler rested on Saturday as well. Uh, I have an Action Network column. You can read about this this morning, and I will go ahead and give you the uh, best line in it, which is the season started Tuesday. Those guys didn't play until Wednesday. They took off on Saturday. The Lord God himself had to create the world and worked more days in a row than these guys. This is a problem. Like, all fucking offseason, I heard about, like, and I heard this from league people and team people and player people about, like, yeah, no, we, re- we realize this is an issue. We got to fix this. Like, it's not good that fans don't feel like, and the, and the most especially the TV partners that pay billions don't feel like the guys are going are gonna to play. 
Now, the NBA has protected, for the most part, the national TV game so far because they've only had a handful of them. Bradley Beal sat out on the first game of the season out of caution, and we were kind of like, okay, that's kind of not a good look. But Beal's been out since then. Like, you hurt his back. He's hurt. That's fine. Um, The rules were put in place for things like you can't rest, specifically rest, two stars at a time. Darius Garland and Jared Allen both fit that requirement of how stars are defined based off of you had to have been an all-star in like the last five years. And they were all-stars in 2022, but they're both hurt. So if you, now they are legitimately hurt. That's pretty evident. Those guys are legit hurt. And so when Donovan rested, they're only resting one star on Saturday. But the problem with this is teams are pretty clearly going to get around it by being like, Oh yeah, no, he's got a bad ankle. He's, he's just hurt. We're resting this guy. And then like they're back the next game. And that's just how it's going to be. And there's nothing the NBA can do because in part, this rule was kind of put in place as like, Hey guys, this is like an effort to just be like, you really need to do this. Like, this is yeah. something we really need to do. And the teams were like, Oh yeah. No, no, no. And then the training staffs were like, fuck you, Adam Silver. How do you <laughs> like this? First four days. These guys are all sitting out. We thought Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid was listed questionable with rest on Sunday's game. The home fucking opener versus the Blazers. And he was, he was marked as questionable with rest. Now, credit to Joel, he played. It's not a back-to-back, so I don't Ball. even necessarily understand what the hell we're doing here. <laughs> um, but Jim, like, this is a bigger problem in the betting sphere than it is for even fans. But fans are sick of it, too. And I've said this in a lot of chats. Betters are fans. They watch the games, and they bet on them because they like the games. That's a key thing. And... It is infuriating that in the first week after three months off, the NBA cannot promise that guys are not going to rest. Like, this isn't January. It's not March when you're gearing up for a playoff run. It, it's the first week of the season. What are we doing? Yeah, the league is in such a weird spot where I think everyone agrees that the 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 82 game schedule is is too long but they they can't give up the owners are never going to give up those games so we're in this spot it's this weird dance between training staffs and players and owners and the league and the TV deal and it's it's just a mess right now and for from the betting side of it it really is frustrating because what what I always try to do and what I think you know a lot of good betters out there try to do is, is try to get an opening number right that's in theoretically when the number is going to yeah. have a lot of value but yeah. it's becoming a, a thing where you have to now the opening number might not be the best time to get it because so much can change and then what it really makes you do is have to sit and sit on twitter and watch injury news and you know there are people who are great at that and they are people that jump and they get a soft line in a book but that personally for me, I like to do the puzzle pieces, right? I like to see yeah. matchups and why I'm leaning this way on a team and that way instead of sitting on Twitter looking for news. That's just not fun. <laughs> no one wants to do that. No better wants to do that. So it, from the betting side of it, it is, yeah, it's, it's, it's really the worst. When you, when you get like a great opening line, it moves a couple points your way, you know, within hours. And then suddenly it swings vastly the other way because suddenly someone's sitting out yeah. and you're like, well, shit, may as well rip up this ticket now. And, and like this gets into the whole social contract of the NBA, and it's just very funny because if you ask me who I blame now, I used to blame the players. I blame the training staffs. Uh, and it's very funny to me that there's this idea that teams only do what's best for them and they don't care about the players. And I'm telling you, literally, the team's training staffs are doing the opposite of what their owners would want them to do, which is they're saying, like, look, man, I get you want to play. 
but if you don't if you play on this on with where your knee is at it's like a 10 percent risk of injury for you short term and long term and that impacts both your short-term ability to be ready for our playoff run but it also impacts your long-term viability for how much you're gonna be able to earn over the course of your career and if you hear that as a player yeah like i've i've heard these conversations from players where they're like look man i want to play like i hate the idea that i don't want to play basketball i love playing basketball but if a guy tells me that there's like an increased risk of me suffering an injury which could cost me tens of millions what do you want me to do yeah. and like yeah on one level, it's like, hey, good for the training staff for like looking out for the players. Like, that's nice. Um, on the other hand, could you be a little bit more selfish? Could you just like just a little bit? Could we because we're all talking about <laughs> like percentage chances here. It's not like, oh, you're it's one thing if it's like, yeah, you have a better, you know, no, no trainer is going to be like, there is a 60 percent chance you will be you will suffer an ACL tonight. That's not how <laughs> this works. Right. Um, no. But all of this kind of ties into the, the same thing. And if somebody because people will say, look, the team should not care about the gambling side of it. Mm, 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 mm. the training staff should not care about the gambling side of it totally agree but the teams and the players want the money this is this has always been my fucking thing if you want to ignore the gambling side of it cool turn down every single sports book sponsorship offered to both the league and the teams that all goes into bri if you if you turn that down if you say we're not going to allow gambling on our league okay it's a a bummer for me but okay fine are, are you going to do that, or or do you want the money? It's the same thing with the schedule. <laughs> um, well, well, the real problem is we need to we need to have fewer games, and then this won't be a problem. Okay, so are are you going to give up money so we can have fewer games? No. Then what the fuck are we talking about? Yeah. So Joe, I'm just like I'm at the end of my rope with this stuff. Um, I was really genuine. Part of it is it's it's my fault because I'm Charlie Brown and the NBA is Lucy with the football. And I'm just sick of being duped by the idea that they're going to take the regular season seriously. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just one of those things like we we kind of know where it is with the money. I wish from like a betting perspective, we could at least like do like I know baseball does it where you can bet on like a money line and it's like listed pitcher. And it's like you can say like if this pitcher's not pitching, then like I'm out like it's if the bet doesn't go. Um, it would be awesome if you could do that for the NBA, especially with some of the star players. Like if a guy like I don't know, like. Like I'm trying to think of a role player, like uh, like Gabe Vincent. Let's say Gabe Vincent's out. I like Gabe Vincent, good player. But like if Gabe Vincent's out, it's like all right, like I'm fine with my bet. But like if LeBron's out, Anthony Davis is out, then like maybe I don't want this anymore. So like I would pay extra money for that. Like I would pay a couple extra cents for that, just so I could lock it in early, like right when I want to. Kind of like what Jim was saying. Um, and I think that maybe that's something that sportsbooks can start doing i don't know if they would ever do it because they probably just make enough money to not really go that way and not necessarily care about the customer experience but i think it would be interesting like i think they do but i think that they it's like some it's an added step that they don't need to do right now buckets is presented by BetMGM. use bonus code action when signing up to get up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if your first bet loses For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, now that we're done bitching about how the NBA doesn't want to play, let's uh, get to some futures talk because that's the real reason I want to get this kind of brain trust together for you guys to, to help us with some stuff. Uh, it's early, obviously. We've got 
three to four games max in under the belt here. But I do kind of want to know if there's anything that stuck out to you guys from a futures perspective. Jim, let's start with you. What's an award or some sort of future that you've got your eye on already? Yeah, these futures are really wild because people love to overreact in this first week. But there is a lot of there. There can be a lot of signal and a lot of noise. So uh, I'll pre-plug. Uh, I've got an article coming. This kind of like week one takeaways. I'm going to go really deep in there. Um, but I think the biggest one is is most improved player. I think this has jumped into the arguably the most fun awards race early on. Um, credit to you. As soon as I remember over the summer, as soon as that Harden that first Harden rumor came out, you're like, yo, we got a pod. And our joint best bet out of that was Tyrese Maxey, most improved player. And he is now like a pretty hefty favorite. Um, he had another double double tonight. He's averaging like almost thirty a game. He looks so so good. He's right in in Brandon's, you know, catalog of of he, he checks like all the boxes. Um, it looks great. But what I like to do now is okay. So we have Maxi. We have this great ticket. Let's not just sit on it and, and hope that Maxi does well, right? Let's let's try and see some potential routes if Maxi is no longer the favorite in one month. What's going on? So. There's two names to me that really jump out here. Um, the first is Scotty Barnes. He had a triple-double the other night. His his points per game are up. His usage is up. His field goal attempts are up. His rebounds are up. His assists are up. It looks like he, <laughs> if you saw the post-game uh, news conference the other, <laughs> the other day, it looks like maybe he, he didn't love his coach last year, and he is now in a much better spot and maybe trying a little harder, and it's it's showing in, in the stats already. He checks all the boxes of, you know, uh, third-year player, 22 years old, um, has the ability to kind of increase his points per game by about 50%. He's sitting at 20 to 1 right now. I think there's a lot of value. He was actually higher but be- in the preseason, but because Tyrese has jumped up so quick, Scotty's gone down, even though he's had an excellent start this season. You want to hop in, Matt? Yeah, I want to try Morning off of this. Um, oh, okay. It's not just oh. because... It's not just because Scotty Barnes has an exceptionally high uh, butt and very small torso, and it bugs me. Um, it does. He is he has exceptionally <laughs> his ass is very high, and his legs and arms are super long, and his torso is short, and it freaks me out it's a every time. I'm like, of non most improved players, <laughs> it just does not. It it very much bugs me. Check out those muscular asses. Uh, Barnes has looked awesome. He had two. He had two just ridiculous blocks in um their opener game versus the wolves just absolute ridiculousness like his athleticism and defensive capacity is absolutely incredible and the offense is there too um have more than one person reach out this weekend about like hey are you, are you paying attention to how things are going pascal siakam because it's not at, for as good as it is with scotty barnes it's it's much much worse with pascal like the vibes are bad and mm-hmm. everything about mm-hmm. like where they that team is at that's a guy that's like the the money's going to get to be a thing here. And that's before we get to the question of whether or not they're going to pay and extend OG. So the thing is, is like, if this team doesn't, they've never, they haven't made these moves because it's like, they're trying to capitalize or shift directions. This may get to a point where they make the moves based off of one thing and one thing only, which is we don't want to pay the money. And if they trade those guys because they don't want to pay the money, their return is going to be wildly different than a team that's trying to contend or build around Scotty or whatever else. And like part of the thing that that Brandon and I really talked about is like you're gonna you gotta get to a certain amount of wins like you gotta be pretty decent, um, and so that would be my concern. There is not just do I think that Scotty can keep this up all season? He might be able to. Like he's like he was high. He was the guy that um, we made a lot of money on him in the draft because Toronto. Like I heard super early that from combine on they were like it's Barnes. He's the guy. And I think it's one of the reasons why Messiah is so invested in him versus everybody else is like 
Masai, I think, really believes that that Scotty Barnes is the future of the franchise and like a future, maybe not MVP, but like sub MVP level player. And if he is, then of course you're going to prioritize that. But that also means that they may take steps back this season. And so like the kind of question here is, do you think that he can win it if they pivot away? Because I I just am under the impression that things are very bad with uh, some of the veterans right now. And like, look, all of the good vibes from preseason about the Raptors of like, oh, they just love playing for Darko. And like, they hated Nurse. And it's like, yeah, like vibes are much better. Yeah, they're still losing. Like they're still, they won the home opener versus the Wolves. And then like, they don't look good. So I don't know. Does any of that maybe warn you a, a little bit away from it? No, it definitely does, in part because, uh, you know, getting to be an all-star is something that we've seen plays a big role in this award as well. And typically all-stars, they're more likely to come from winning teams. So I, you know, that maybe those are the same thing. But yes, it, 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 the short answer is yes. So let me throw one other name to you and see see what you make of this one. Uh, Franz Wagner is 35 to 1. Now, he is the player like I referenced earlier who has seen a really nice change in his shot yeah. profile. But the numbers haven't fully popped off the page just yet. But He's his he's seen his three point um, attempts go up from four and a half a game to eight a game. He's seen his free throw attempts go up from four a game to seven and a half a game. That's exactly what you want to see from a young player who's already one of the most efficient players in the league. Now, because he hasn't been shooting as well um, on twos, his his points per game haven't popped as much. But even as is, he's up from eighteen point six to twenty one. If he starts making a normal rate of twos, he's going to be in that mid twenties range. Yeah. And up from 18, which is exact. And then again, he checks off every other box down the down the list. And, you know, we talked a couple of times in this show about the magic and how we like the magic. We're not going crazy on them. But if we think the magic are a far more feasible, you know, play in contender than the Raptors, if the ba- vibes are bad in Toronto, and you're getting almost twice the number for a player who I think kind of all around is kind of more respected than Scotty in part because he's been in, in the league, I think one extra year at this point. Um, but he's just such an efficient player who, you know, I think has a lot of fans in the voting populace as well. Um, at 35 to one, he's the other guy who, who I don't think has popped just yet in part because of some bad shooting luck, but could be a name that's in a couple of weeks down to 2015, 10 to one um, as his numbers really start to look good. And the magic maybe are sticking around the, the play in picture. Joe, what do you think on all this? I mean, I love, I love Franz. I think Franz is great. I just think that at the end of the day, um, if, you know, if, if Harden gets moved, like, I think this is Maxi's award to lose. Like he's been so yeah. good. Like, and he, I think he's like, I, like, I think that Barnes and Franz and uh, like, I think they're excellent obviously, but like, I think that Maxi is like head and shoulders better than like those guys. Like, I think that he is like that dude and like philly should just move on from harden like because maxi's so good i agree like i don't even care I, philly i don't think honestly should care what is going on as long as they get rid of the circus that is around this <laughs> and that they can go and just say like maxi like you're our dude like we are going to build around you and Embiid. like let's keep it rolling let's keep the vibes good here because like there's always this like black cloud like kind of hanging over them right now yeah, I, I guess I'm just kind of, part of me is kind of spooked from last year because I really thought Maxi was going to get it last year and then he got hurt and it just kind of got yeah. derailed. But Harden's on his way this year, so it definitely makes sense. He is averaging, by the way, I looked this up, uh, before tonight, he's averaging 12.2 points more than last season. So a really healthy jump from him. Yeah. Uh, second Gross. on that list, by the way, yeah. kind of underrated, uh, Jalen Johnson. He's up uh, 10.4 oh. points year over year. He's good. Um, he's been good. Shaden Sharp before his injury. Um no, it's Anthony Simon. Sharp is up nine points, and he's only probably going to go up. But the Blazers are going to be awful, so I think he's a no bet. Uh, 
one of you had this one, which is Durin, who both of you have like raved about. Durin's up eight point nine points year over year. That's yeah, that's I a pretty healthy bump. If we're gonna look at that. He's he's really good, and I and like the rebounding numbers, I think are legit. I'm a little nervous about backing him like completely. I don't think the points are going to be high enough. And I don't know if like just the rebounding, like unless he's going to literally rebound like 14 boards a game. Like, I don't know if the boards are just enough for you to kind of make this type of leap. But the other thing is it's still early. And I think with bigs, it's not just the rebounding because like we've seen this with like Drummond, for example, right? It's like, it's super impressive. The numbers pop, but like the, defense isn't always directly correlated with rebounding so if the defense isn't there for Duran and that becomes like a weak spot as the season kind of progresses then you know maybe Duran's not really he doesn't really fit the criteria in the first place let alone you know like have the stats or like the numbers or the on-court fit to make this pop I will add one more and look you could say that it's they're not going to get there from a wins perspective the Nets have a lot of talent. Like Nick Claxton's really good. Mikhail Bridges is really good. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal. They have a lot of options to improve their roster. If I had known that Cam Thomas was going to get the kind of minutes that he is getting, I would have probably put a bet in on him earlier because I just kind of thought like, well, no, Jacques Vaughn's yeah. not going to play him because he sucks at defense and they won't play him. But they're playing him and he's um, killing it. He's playing. He's, he's doing what he does, which is he's getting buckets. Yeah. And... If we look at the history of the award and how it's basically who made a big jump in terms of scoring year over year um, for a team that, that made the playoffs, do I think the Nets can make the playoffs? I don't think it's impossible. Like, that's actually like an interesting question. Is it more likely that the Raptors or the Nets make the playoffs, Jim? Of those two, I would say the Nets. But if we put the Magic in, I think I would put the Magic above the Nets. That's interesting too. Okay, um, so it's kind of an, an equation. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at Cam Thomas. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give it as a best bet, but I do think it's it's worth considering. I think we all agree. Tyrese Maxey still plus four hundred. Uh, Joe, what's the what's the no buy threshold for Tyrese Maxey for you? I think, I think if it gets down to like two to one, I'm probably not doing it just because like. Yeah. Y- you don't like I just don't know like I, I right especially right now like I need Harden to be moved at, like right now like I don't even know if I want to bet him yet like but I think the number just is going to get worse so I think the four to one's probably like okay but if it gets any lower than that I think you, you need Harden to just get moved because if Harden comes in and then they're going to play him those numbers are all just going to be like shot to hell so uh I, I yeah. wouldn't want to invest in a spot like that but I think that on that note, if you do really like a Wagner or a Barnes or like a Cam Thomas, you have to bet it now because if Harden does get moved or if, if Harden doesn't get moved, then like those numbers are all going to swing the opposite way too. So I think you need to get like at least like a little bit of a nibble on those numbers. They're really long. And then, you know, if you still like it and Harden does get moved, you can probably buy in a little bit more again. All right, real quick. Somebody's got a, I don't know which one of you did this. Which one of you has got the Chris Paul bet? That's me. Uh, so I think that, you know, Chris Paul, we obviously are seeing him now. Like, it seems like Steve Kerr is going to bring him off the bench. Um, he played off the bench uh, against the Rockets on Sunday night. Uh, he had seven assists in the first half, and then I don't know what happened. He, his potentials are probably going to be insane again. <laughs> um, but but he played 27 minutes. And I know that Draymond was on a little bit of a minutes limit, but I, I, would be, I wouldn't be super surprised to see him, like, sitting around, like, 27 to, like, 30 minutes a game. I think it's a lot of time, and with his ability 
I, I really like him with the second unit because I think part of the problem with the second unit for the Warriors is that like there wasn't really an adult in the room last year. Like if you really look at it, it's like they were led by Jordan Poole. So like now you have Chris Paul, who I think can really kind of help elevate some of these younger guys, like whether it's Mo- whether it's Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga, and like Sarge is a great player. And, you know, I didn't think, and him and Chris Paul have a little bit of history together. Um, so I think that there is an opportunity for Chris Paul to really lead the second unit in like a meaningful way while also keeping some of the minutes down on these older like on the Warrior stars who have also gotten a little bit older. You know, you have Draymond's a little bit older, Clay's a little bit older, Curry's even a little bit older. So maybe that helps you get through the regular season. And if this rotation kind of works, I think that the number is, it's in the market, you can get it as high as 20 to 1. I think that now that we know it looks like he's going to be coming off the bench, that number is a little bit too long. I supremely love this bet. I saw Joe put it in the sheet and I literally shopped it and bet it within five minutes <laughs> because it's such a good look. And I, I can already see the narrative. These all words are our narrative, right? I can already see the narrative shaving place. Nikias Duncan had had the tweet yesterday, very respected, uh, you know, cover of the sport talking about how the 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 bench minutes where, where Curry is off the court were finally positive. If, if that lasts the whole season and CP is able to stabilize this bench unit that for a decade now has been just absolute trash when Curry is off the court. That's like, that's the kind of stuff that like makes a vote right there. So 20 to one is, is a crazy number. Again, you're paying a little bit for, for the unknowns of if Curry and clay and Dre miss enough games between them, does, does CP start too much? That's my only worry about this. If they stay healthy, I think, you know, he can very easily average 12 and eight, off the bench and stabilize those units and really, really put together a, a easy six man of the year campaign. Here's a question. If CP CP's gonna be immune um to the resting rules and yep. um some of the other qualifiers based off the age stuff, but if he finishes below sixty five, isn't there kind of still gonna be a little bit of like a push against him because he didn't like even though I, the the rules in that are are still being like I can't remember if, AD, the, uh, if those rules only yeah, apply to the rest or they apply to the sixty five games or not. So, but isn't that kind of something else to consider here with Chris Paul at, at age seven thousand? Yeah, I think that's definitely fair. I mean, I think part of it goes into the fact that it's like when you look at these players, like the people that are going for six man of the year, nobody's going to have in my opinion, like the name pedigree as Chris Paul. And like, if he can play off the bench and like do it with grace, um, I think that that's going to go a long way narrative wise, because they're going to say like, you are like an, you're going to be a first ballot hall of famer. Um, You're one of the best point guards of all time. And you went to this team, like in a weird way, like you get traded there, you're getting thrown in this totally different role. You handled it well. And then you put up great numbers and then led a bench unit that has been historically bad. Like Jim was saying to like much success and kind of stabilize the team that, you know, maybe needed that veteran leadership off the bench when you had, when you lost Andre Iguodala in the same year. So I think that this is definitely like a spot where the narrative could kind of help Chris Paul get there. Even if like maybe the games are close or maybe there's another guy that maybe just has the traditional six man role where he's scoring like 18, 20 points a game off the bench, but you know, maybe doesn't impact winning in the exact same type of way. Are you willing to make Chris Paul a best bet for this podcast on the official? Yeah, send it out. Lock it in. Network. All right, we're locking it in. 16 to 1 at Bad MGM. All right, it's got to do it for Buckets. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you guys being with us. You can follow Jim Turvey on Twitter and in the Action Network app at TurveyBets. Joe Delera is at the very boring at Joe Delera. I'm at HP Basketball. Thanks for joining us. Hope you guys have yourselves a great week. We'll be back on Tuesday with Best Bets. 
It's going to be Maria Marino filling in for me tomorrow night as I'm at Nuggets Jazz. We'll see you guys again later this week. Till then, let's get buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.